Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who wanna help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Hello, Warrior Woman. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for being here. It's Monday at 8.55 a.m., and I am settling in for a full day of podcast stuff. I really love these days. Uh, you know, I settle in at my desk. Uh, I have a plan to record a bunch of podcast episodes uh, to do all the write-ups and, you know, prep stuff to get them ready for launching into your ears. So full day of podcast stuff, uh, Hank and I just got back from our walk. It was very wet this morning, but he is dry and on the bed under loads of blankets sleeping. And I just made my second coffee for today. And we're going to talk about the foundations of tracking part two. Now, I know that I promised you that Leela Lutz would come on and record the Foundations of Tracking Part 2, but we've had a little bit of trouble uh, making space to connect and record that episode. Uh, Just with... Uh, a lot going on with Shanti, her daughter, she was sick, and then a lot going on with Leela and her business and, and myself and my business and the time change, and that's a lot. Anyway, I promise you that she will be on and we'll record a podcast episode together on tracking, but for those of you who know me, you know that I don't like to leave open loops. I like to close my loops <laughs> and having part one up for the last month or so and promising you a part two on a conscious and a subconscious level, it's been leaking a lot of energy out of me because I haven't closed the loop. So this morning, I'm going to kick off my podcast day with the foundations of tracking part two. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and then I'll get Leela on and we will record a tracking episode with her. So if you haven't listened to part one, press pause, jump back to episode 96, 
and listen to the Foundations of Tracking Part 1. Okay, let's dive into Part 2. So I did promise you that I would get a little science-y and we'd go, go a little data crazy. And so I'm going to do my best to uh, deliver that promise. We're going to start with getting clear on how much you need to eat. So a lot of women come to me because they're really struggling to train consistently. Uh, They feel like they're not getting stronger. They don't feel good in their body and they aren't actually seeing the results that they want. And one of the simplest but not always easiest uh, and most successful strategies I provide is to make sure that they are eating enough food. Why? Because so many women are actually undernourished. They do not eat enough food to support their physiology, their hormones, uh, their body, and then their training on top of this. Now, it's mostly because they're afraid to eat as, you know, they've been stuck in diet culture For a really long time, they're trying to change their body, their body composition. They're trying to feel better in their body, feel great in their body. Or they actually unknowingly underfeed themselves. So they, because they don't track, they aren't aware that they're actually under eating. And they don't realize how much they need to eat to actually support their hormones, their energy, and their training, which is super common. So a lot of women I start working with aren't actually achieving their resting metabolic rate needs. So we call it the RMR, and we're going to look at that in a second. And then they're training on top of this, so which is a bit of a disaster and why we start to see uh, a lot of energy problems, hormonal problems, and it's one of the reasons why they can't get the results that they want in their training. So... As I mentioned in part one, the first thing that we really do is we start to bring in some principles, some foundations with their food. And, you know, if you follow the work of Josh and Jeannie Rubin, the Real Food Gangsters, uh, they do amazing work and they're leaders in this metabolic space. So actually a lot of the women that start working with me have done some form of Uh, metabolic work, whether that's with Josh and Jeannie or Jessica Ash or some of of the other leaders in this metabolic space. So they have some understanding of the metabolism. They've started to work on their strategy, these principles and these foundations, which is super cool. But this is where we really need to start. Before we dive into Uh, the calories and the tracking and the macronutrient targets and even thinking about um, losing fat or, you know, creating a deficit, we need to have these principles and these foundations in place. And so this work might take, you know, a while. It could take three months, six months, nine months, or even longer for us just to work on those foundations and those principles. Now, yes, of course, we can figure out, you know, how much our body needs and as well as working on those principles and those foundations 
And when I say that, what I mean is eating metabolic foods, so foods that support our body, that are really easily digested and absorbed, uh, eating within 30 to 60 minutes of waking up, eating every three or four hours, balancing our meals with quality proteins, roots and fruits, and some fat. Uh, That's what I mean by those principles and those foundations. So we could spend loads of time on just that before we even get into the numbers and the data. And this is what I do a lot in warrior school. At the start, especially the first few months, is we just work on those principles. Then we look at, we start to look at what their body needs and we look at their RMR. Actually, we're just going to take a pause here because last month in warrior school, our event was on, we do a monthly internal event and it was on tracking and our whole month, uh, the module was tracking. And one of the things that I was saying to my warriors on our internal event call was that there's two types of tracking. There's tracking for health and then there's tracking for performance. And tracking for health is where most of us are. We are, you know, maybe we've got a lot of stress in the body. We've got a lot of hormonal problems. You know, we're burnt out. Uh, We're really struggling from a physiological perspective. So we've got some healing to do. We've got some stabilization, some, you know, some safety uh, to create uh, on a nervous system level. Now, the reason why we're going to track is we're tracking for health. So this is why we're looking at these principles and these foundations. This is why we're looking at our markers and we're trying to create safety and stability in the body. We're trying to get the body healthy from a metabolic perspective. And then there's tracking for performance. So this is, well, this is where I believe, you know, is where we look at things like, you know, really tweaking the training uh, and the nutrition to get uh, a better performance. So we look at HRV or, you know, we're measuring a lot of uh, recovery statistics and information. uh, And that's to optimize performance. You know, that's to really get, squeeze the most out of our training, our recovery. uh, And so I think, you know, if we look at the tracking We have kind of like this umbrella. So we have the two different types, the quantitative, the qualitative, and then we have two different intentions with the tracking. Am I tracking for health or am I tracking for performance? Now, the track, of course, there's an overlap in them for sure. You know, once when we track for health and we're working on our principles and our foundations of metabolic nutrition, we're definitely building that foundation and that bridge to move into the performance space. But I think that, you know, we need to break them apart. And when I say performance, I also mean uh, body recomposition or body composition changes. Uh, That comes in the performance side of things because it's really hard to perform and to get the body composition change if we don't have the foundation there, if the body doesn't feel safe and stable, uh, and if the body's not healthy. So 
The first thing that we need to do is we need to understand that we're tracking for health. And we do this through those principles. And then we can look at, okay, I've got a really good foundation. My markers have improved. Now let's get really curious on tracking for performance and tracking for potential body recomposition or you know, fat loss or gaining muscle. And we need to get really clear on how much does the body need to survive, to perform, to recover well. So the first thing that we're going to do is you're going to work out how much your body needs. And then I want you to pause and I want you to take inventory of your markers and where they're at. And I want you to answer the question, do you think you are eating enough food? So I've created the two graphics based on my RMR and total energy expenditure for you to look at. Yours will be different. So you'll plug your numbers into the equation that I'll pop in the show notes. So for reference, on a moderate trading day, which is a day that I'm doing a hard strength session as, as well as, you know, my activities of daily living, I need about three to four grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight, about two to 2.5 grams of protein per kilo of body weight, and about a gram of fat per kilo of body weight. So for me, I would need to eat about 2,500 calories on the majority of my training days. And that's about like 280 grams of carbs, about 140 grams of protein, and 70 to 80 grams of fat. Now, remember, yours will be different. I'm just giving you an example of my energy requirements. So pause the podcast, go to the show notes, and then you're going to punch in all your numbers for the RMR equation for women. And then you're going to get your RMR. So Amy's RMR is... 1400 calories a day. So that's what my body needs just to survive, uh, for it to function. Then we times it by 0.1 and that's the thermic effect of food. So that's how much energy we use to metabolize and process the food, uh, to turn it into energy on a cellular level. So that gives us you know, that's about 149. So I add 149 to my RMR. And then I need to work out my total energy expenditure. So on a non-training day, I have my RMR, which is like my hormones, my sleep, my digestion, you know, my hair, my skin, my nails for my body to function, which is 1400. And then I plus 149 on that for the thermic effect of food to process my food. And then I do my 10,000 steps, so I walk Hank most days, and that's a few hundred calories. And then my activities of daily living, so me standing here recording the podcast might be another few hundred calories. So on a day that I don't train, my energy expenditure is about 2,200 calories. And on a day that I do train, it's about 2,500, 2,600 calories a day. So that's how much my body needs. So pause it, plug it in, 
and I want you to figure out how much does your body need a day on a non-training day and a training day. Our RMR can also be determined through a DEXA scan. So some of the women that I work with do get DEXA scans and it will tell you the breakdown of your body composition and it tells you your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate. Okay, so once you've done that, you've gotten clear on how much you need to eat on a non-training day and a training day. Now, there are key signs that we can look for that tell us if we're actually eating enough, you know, if our body is healthy and supported. And these are what we call our metabolic markers. So if we have a strong metabolism and the body is supported through eating enough, we should get to tick them off. Uh, and so I want you to do an inventory check of your markers. You know, where are they at? So what are we looking at? We're looking at, do I have good energy and a stable mood? So do I have a high tolerance and resilience to stress? Tick or across? Is it easy to get to sleep and stay asleep? And do I sleep for, you know, seven to nine hours? Does my cycle, if I'm in my cycle years, does my cycle arrive on time, regularly, and mostly without symptoms? Do I have a warm body? So is my resting temperature 36.6 Celsius or 97.8 Fahrenheit? Uh, and does it rise to 37.1 or 98.78? Do I have a strong pulse between 75 and 90 beats per minute? Resting. Am I hungry on waking and do I get hungry during the day? Do I poo at least one to three times per day? Do I have minimal gut stuff happening, happening like minimal food intolerance? Do I have a good sex drive? Can I maintain my body weight without restrictive diets or excessive training? So those are some of our markers and we want to go through and we want to do inventory of them. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, am I eating enough food? Okay, so how do we know if we're eating enough food? I've had many conversations uh, this week with women in warrior school who felt really, um, really frustrated. You know, they weren't feeling good in their body. Uh, and... I was saying to them, you know, it's okay to not feel good in your body. It's okay to want to change your body. But we need to respect the body. We need to still nourish the body. We need to create safety in the body. And doing these things will allow us to train harder and will allow us to be able to change our body composition. So I, I, I'm giving you permission to, to almost think those things. And I was having a really great check-in call with one of my warriors the other day. And she felt so guilty for having these thoughts around not feeling great in her body and wanting to change her body. And her body's changed a lot in the last two years. She has gained a lot of weight uh, but it's not so much about the number. It's the feeling 
she feels so foreign and uncomfortable in her body. She doesn't feel great in her body. And she was feeling really guilty for thinking these things. Uh, she felt a lot of shame around wanting to, you know, change her body and not feel great in her body. And I said to her, it's okay to want to feel great in our body, to feel great in our clothes, to look in a mirror and feel really great uh, and, you know, really like what we see. It's okay to want to change our body, but we just need to respect it. Uh, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because she, because she was feeling a lot of friction around her weight uh, and she felt like she was still gaining weight, we started to dig deep into looking at her food and she comes from really severe restrictive dieting. Uh, she did a lot of tracking, a lot of obs like obsessive, um, you know, weighing and measuring. And she's let that go over the last couple of years. And last month, you know, we were talking about tracking, you know, and this idea of maybe bringing it back because she was feeling like this a month ago. And then on our check-in call this month, we, we brought the conversation back because she wasn't ready last month. And I asked her how she felt about uh, getting clear on how much she's actually eating. So we're inviting this, um, you know, inviting this more quantitative approach because really, that is the clearest, easiest way to get clear on what's happening with our food. And I say this all the time to my women. Now, it doesn't mean it's the right way that we go and we track through a chronometer and we weigh in and we measure our food. It might not be right for you right now, but it is the clearest, simplest way uh, to understand, am I eating enough or not eating enough? Uh, because we can think that we're eating enough, but if we've been trapped in diet culture for a really long time, the mind sometimes will tell us that we are, or if we feel uncomfortable, or if we feel like we're gaining weight, the mind's going to say, you're actually eating too much. And so what I have found is that a lot of women begin to underfeed themselves even more. And so tracking might be hard for you, but again, we're inviting this idea of reframing it. And we workshopped some phrases that she could say because she did decide to track at the end of our conversation. It was what was going to support her the best with how she was feeling to get really clear on if she was actually eating enough food. So we workshopped some phrases around, I'm tracking so I can support my body better. I'm tracking so I can understand my body better. I'm tracking so I feel really confident in how to nourish my body you know, you need to come up with your phrase uh, that's really going to help you when or if you decide to actually track your food. So that's the first thing that we're looking for. Am I actually eating enough? Now, if we find that we're not eating enough food, so for example, I'm going to use myself as an example. So say that I tracked and I found out that you know, on a training day, my energy expenditure was 2,600 calories, but I tracked and I was only eating like 
2000 or 1900. And I had felt like I had low energy and I'd found some of these symptoms or, you know, I couldn't tick off some of my markers. Now I can look and I can understand maybe why that is, is because my tracking is showing me that on average, I'm way under what my body needs. And that's creating some stress. And so the first thing we need to look at is how do we begin to close that gap? And we have to do it slowly and with strategy. So we can't jump from being way under our total energy intake to eating what our body needs. So for example, I can't jump from 1900 calories all the way up to 2600 in a day. That creates too much stress on the body. And so I need a strategy to slowly increase the amount of calories that I'm eating until I can match what my body needs. We can call it like maintenance calories, finding the place that, you know, is in energy balance that helps you maintain um, a strong metabolism, that helps you maintain strong markers and maintain your weight. So that's essentially where you need to get to, your maintenance calories. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for the gaps in my day and in my nutrition that I can start working on to slowly increase my calories. So this is what we did last month in Warrior School. So all the women track for the month and then we've had our checking calls this month and what we've done is I've asked them for their gap. So if their gap was they were under eating consistently, our strategy is to slowly increase their energy intake. And then from their tracking, we got to see, okay, where is the gap in the day? Is it breakfast? Is it lunch? Is it your snacks? And what is what macronutrient is really low? Uh, so for example, protein is quite a common one that a lot of women find hard to reach their uh, daily protein intake and then carbohydrates. So a lot of women that I work with have come from paleo or keto and they um, don't need enough carbohydrate to support their body. So we really need to understand the macronutrients. So let's dive into that. And then we'll come back to looking at your gap and how we can start to create a strategy based on what we're finding from your tracking. Because that's what tracking really is. It's just data. And we can see patterns. And then we can use those patterns and that data to start to create a strategy. But if we're not tracking, this is where a lot of us get really stuck uh, because we don't really know what we should be working on. So the tracking makes it really clear. So let's just look at the macronutrients and then we'll come back to how do we modify our food based on what we're finding in our tracking. So macros, we've got protein. So we wanna fill our plate with protein first. So quality proteins our liver, our organ meats, eggs, broth, dairy, white fish or shellfish, and our muscle meats. And one gram of protein equals four calories. So on average, depending on, you know, where we are in our healing journey or the type of training that we're doing, uh, we need about one and a half to two grams. Uh, some of us that train quite hard and train a lot may need 2.5 grams. Uh, per kilo of body mass per day. 
So that could be an average of 100 to 150 grams a day, which is roughly like 35% protein a day. Then we've got our carbohydrates. So we have roots and fruits. So roots like squash, pumpkin, uh, carrots, beetroot, potatoes. Uh, and then we have our fruits. We have well-soaked and cooked uh, grains, sourdough bread, orange juice, and one gram of carbohydrate equals four calories. And we need about three to four grams per day. So that's about an average of, you know, maybe depending on if we've been on really low carbohydrate for a long time, we need to start with even less than that. Uh, carbohydrate needs quite a little clever strategy to start introducing back in, especially if we've been, you know, keto uh, for a long time. But let's just say on average, you know, my body needs around three to four grams uh, per kilo per day. So that's about 200 to 280 grams of carbohydrates per day. So that's like 40 to 45% of my intake. Then we have fat. So we have saturated fat like butter and ghee, lard and tallow. And we want to cook with these. Then we have monounsaturated fats, which is like avocado and olive oil. We don't want to cook with these, but, you know, they're great uh, to have. One gram of fat is nine calories. So fat is higher in our calories. And our fat intake should be less than protein and carbohydrate. When you eat like whole quality proteins, you will get fat. And fat is one of the hardest ones to... Um, can be hard, one of the hardest ones to change. So a lot of us actually really eat quite a high fat diet. But if our uh, metabolism isn't super strong, it can actually be a little bit stressful on the body to eat a super high fat diet. Josh and Jeannie have some great um, information on that. Uh, and I'm not going to dive into uh, talking about like, high fat diets and keto and in this episode. But if we're trying to heal and create safety and stability, you know, we really need to try and keep our fat around 20 to 25% a day. So they're our macronutrients. And we can uh, look at them from like our foundations and principles of just making sure when we're eating, we have some there in our plate or our bowl or we can start to really look at the quantitative and figure out, okay, how many grams do I need per day? What percentage do I need per day? And then when we're tracking in the app, it's going to tell us our target and where we're at. And if we're reaching our target and the percentage of each macronutrient for our total energy intake. All right. So... How do we modify our food based on our data? So say you've tracked your food for a week. You know, what did you find? This is really important. So I get a lot of my women, if they are ready, they'll track for about a week and they don't change anything. They just track and then I'll ask them, what did you find? What did you notice? You know, maybe you don't eat enough or... Maybe you realize that you don't spread your protein evenly over your meals. Or maybe you realize that you wake up every night uh, at around 3 a.m. 
Or maybe you realize that you feel sore for days after your training. So what did you find? Now we can use the data to modify the food strategy. And the first thing we need to understand when making changes to our food is that it needs to be slow. S-L-O-W, slow. So for example, if you learn that you didn't Uh, you don't eat enough, you should focus on slowly increasing your calorie intake over time over all meals. So we can't go from like 1,500 calories to 24 or 2,600 in one day. It's too stressful on the body. So the goal would be to increase our intake by like 100 to 200 calories each week until we reach our maintenance calories. And for some of us, that can take a little longer. It depends on the body and what the body is telling us. So we would look at the where the gap is in your intake. Now maybe it's that you forget to eat lunch or you don't eat enough at breakfast. Start there and then we need to look at what macronutrient is low. So maybe it's protein, maybe it's carbs. Start there or your gap could be that You are nowhere near your protein requirements. So you want to increase protein intake evenly across all meals over the day. So for example, your protein intake might be, you know, have been an average of only 70 grams, but your requirement might be 100 grams per day. So the strategy would look like at each meal, you know, can you consistently increase the protein over over those meals and those snacks? So you get an extra, you know, maybe 5 to 10 grams of protein into those meals or snacks. Or maybe your fat's too high and, you know, which can affect our thyroid function and our cortisol. So we want to keep the fat intake, uh, you know, around that 20 to 25%. So we have to look at how do we, you know, modify our fat. And so when you do all of this, When you modify and change your food, we're tracking to see how your body responds to the changes. Uh, And you need to allow time for the body to settle in before you make another change. So my question for you, what's one thing you could focus on over the next month? You know, if you've done a bit of tracking and you've found a gap, what is that gap? And then what's your strategy for that gap? Okay, and the last thing that we're going to talk about is creating safe deficits um, or, you know, tracking to build muscle and lose fat. We're not going to get super sciencey here. If you, you know, are really into this and we're we're moving into this tracking for performance, I highly recommend you uh, follow Libby Westcombe. She's super amazing. She's like the tracking data queen and she has some really great stuff on, you know, creating safe deficits, fat loss phases, you know, building muscle phases, um, macros. And she's, yeah, she's a bit of a queen in this area. So I highly recommend. I'll pop the link uh, to her work in my show notes. So I have to be honest, my coaches and I have always focused on being fully nourished and training hard. And as a result, our body composition is the way that it is. Uh, 
I've never done a fat loss phase or a reverse diet phase. Uh, it's not that I don't think that they work. They totally do. You know, again, if you look at Libby's work, it's super cool. But I don't practice that way. Uh, I do not do really safe deficits or cutting phases um, because I was never taught that way by my coaches uh, and I have never done that. So I don't practice this way. I believe that once you create your foundation with your food and your training foundation, I believe in training hard, recovering well, and your body composition will change as a byproduct. But we'll do a little section on this uh, to end the podcast because I think it's cool to be educated and to see how it can be done in the fitness space for sure. The first thing I'll say is that how you go about losing fat is everything or how you go about uh, a body recomposition is everything. So achieving a hormonal balance and fat loss are not always synonymous. All right. And this is what we were saying at the start is that we actually need to start by spending time building up our calories as well as optimizing the body first. We need to create that safety first. It's the same in training. We need to make sure that we've got the mobility, we uh, can uh, execute the movement, we've got the technical skills to do the movement, you know, we can create tension, all of these things before we load the bar with a lot of weight. It's the same with our food. Before we even think about um, changing our body composition, losing fat, losing weight, building muscle, we need the body to feel safe first. So your number one goal, uh, if your number one goal is to lose fat and feel great in your body, there are actually three goals to keep in mind when creating a deficit. Now, again, I actually, the way that I create a deficit is not through by reducing food. It's actually by training harder. Uh, you know, I believe that we should just create a greater training stimulus that therefore creates a deficit instead of cutting calories. But again, you know, that's just what I believe. <laughs> and this is what we do in warrior school. I actually don't cut calories. I help my women train harder. And when we train harder, we get stronger, we build more muscle. And as a byproduct, our resting metabolic rate uh, increases. Basically, the goal should be to be able to eat as much as you want. And I was recording a podcast with Libby the other day, and this is what we were talking about. You know, we have such high muscle mass, so we can eat a lot of food. And that is the goal. You know, you want to be able to eat as much food uh, as, as you want and as you need and not have to restrict it. Okay, so the three goals to keep in mind when creating a calorie deficit is you want to maximize fat loss, you want to minimize muscle mass loss, and doing it in a way that is doable and sustainable for you. Yeah, that's right. So once you've optimized your health and you've increased your maintenance calories, and we just went through an example of, you know, say I found that I was really under eating and I was only eating like 1900, but, you know, maybe my maintenance calories were like 2400. We can't jump straight there. 
We have to slowly increase our maintenance calories over time. And then once we've reached our maintenance calories, our metabolic markers are really good. We've created safety and stability. Now we could go through a fat loss phase without losing more muscle in the process. Again, I invite you to check out Libby's work. She's queen of fat loss phases. Here I would say, okay, once we've optimized our health and increased our maintenance calories, you can just train really freaking hard. <laughs> Let's like really push the training uh, to optimize um, strength gains and muscle mass gains. And as a byproduct, you will lose fat. So how do we know if we're ready to do that? You know, if we're ready to either make the training super hard or go into what we could call a fat loss phase. Uh, so we could call it like fat loss readiness or training hard readiness. Uh, your biofeedback, so those markers are really good. Uh, AKA, if they're really good, you have a robust metabolism and you found your maintenance calories. And if your biofeedback isn't good, more food is usually the answer, not a deficit <laughs> or not trading harder. Uh, this is why we're tracking. We're always looking for that biofeedback. So I like to say that most women need to be in this building phase for a good like six to 12 months before they even think about creating a deficit or even think about training harder again or pushing harder and harder in their training. So a lot of my women in warrior school you know, we're building this foundation with their training, with their, their nutrition for a good six to 12 months. And that's why I have a minimum time investment in Warrior School of nine months. So when the women come in, they agree to commit and invest nine months of time uh, at a minimum to, to this work is because, you know, it does take a good six to 12 months to build out our foundation and create stability again. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about how we go into like a fat loss phase. Uh, again, I believe that it's learning to train harder and to create a greater stimulus through our training and to not uh, really go into a calorie deficit. Um, but if you, you know, if you have more questions about it, feel free to reach out to me uh, and I can give you some more information on it. But today I think you know, the, the key thing is this, that all this stuff needs to be really slow and steady because we need to remember it's the long way home, that it can take a good six to 12 months for the body to find stability and for us to create, you know, this, this foundation uh, and get our biofeedback to a good place and, and to find our maintenance calories where our body really thrives. Uh, and then we can open up this conversation of, you know, changing our body composition uh, but like I said, I honestly believe that it's, you know, it's a byproduct of like loving your training, training because it excites you, training hard. Um, and as a byproduct, your body composition will change. It will be the way that it will be. Um, okay, so that is part two for our foundations of tracking. Your key tasks are to go and figure out your RMR, so your resting metabolic rate, uh, how many calories your body needs a day. And then I invite you, you know, if you feel like you're ready to start tracking, so maybe track for a week and then 
what we can do or what you can do is really look at what you found. You know, look for your gaps and then think about the strategy that you're going to create to help you fill in those gaps. Okay, Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening. Uh, There'll be a lot of information in the show notes, so go there. If you have any questions for me, reach out. Um, I'm more than happy to answer them for you. Otherwise, check out Libby Westcomb's work. She's got, yeah, great resources on her page, uh, and she does some really cool work. And she's actually going to be the next guest on the podcast, which is super cool. Libby and I recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago on why you're not progressing in your training. It was a really cool conversation. So later this week, episode 105 will be out with Libby Westcomb. And we talk about why you're not making progress in your training and how to start making progress. (laughs) Okay, Warrior Woman, I hope you have a great day uh, and I will see you soon. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.